Hello, welcome everybody to the Wildstorm Addiction, episode 4. We're going to be discussing the weeks of May 12th, May 19th, and May 26th tonight. And as always, my co-host Ben is with me. Say hi, Ben. Hello, Wildstorm crew. <laughs> um, well, we have been on a little a mini hiatus, uh, not too long, but the, uh, Ben will discuss that in a minute. But uh, just want to mention real quick that we do have two new podcasts at the Comic Addiction. Uh, we have the DC Core Addiction podcast, uh, hosted by podcast veterans Chris Parton, who you've heard at Image Addiction, and Paul Stephen Brown from The X Addiction. And we also launched the Avengers Addiction podcast uh, with Corwin Kroll, who is from The Comic Addiction, and Anthony Ellis, who is also from X Addiction. So... So a lot of our guys have split into different things, uh, getting some new podcasts rolling. So um, if you haven't given those a listen, head, head over to the site and give them a download and see what they got to say. Yeah, and I just uh, wanted to remind everybody that we do you know, talk through spoilers with the issues that we're reviewing, but uh, they are a couple weeks old. And uh, as you've noticed, uh, this episode will be going out a little bit later. Um, we are reviewing three weeks worth of Wildstorm, and the reason for that is just that uh, the Wildstorm core titles and the creator-owned titles, there really wasn't a whole lot of releases, so we kind of waited a week to get a couple more titles in so that we have more to talk about tonight. And even though we do discuss spoilers, you know, remember that, that the written reviews we do at the site are spoiler-free, and obviously those come up uh, a lot sooner before we get to the podcast, so... Anyway, we're going to move on to some Wildstorm news we got here. We've got a Kane and Lynch comic coming based on the Square Enix game. It's going to coincide with the release of the new video game, Kane and Lynch 2 Dog Days. And both of those are going to come out in August. It's going to be a six-issue miniseries, and it's going to act as a bridge between the story of the first game and the second game. And Wildstorm fans will uh, recognize the writer is Ian Eddington from Stormwatch PhD. And the art is going to be by Chris Mitten and Ben Tebblesmith of the Thirty Days of Night will, will, will provide the covers. So um, I've never I've never played that game, but uh, if Ian Eddington's writing it, uh, should be should be interesting. Speaking of August, we also have a, a new creator-owned project coming in August. It's called Ides of Blood, and it's going to be a six-issue miniseries. It's written by Stuart C. Paul with art by Christian Deuce and the solicitation says the year is 44 BC Julius Caesar has conquered Transylvania and vampires which is spelled with a Y for some reason and vampires are Rome's new slave class but when rich mortals start turning up dead with fang marks on their necks Valens, a vampire slave turned Roman soldier plunges into the blood-soaked underworld of Rome to capture the Pluto's kiss killer if he can prove himself he'll earn rank and riches beyond what anyone this side of the Tiber has ever seen. But if he fails, he might find himself on top of the pile of bodies. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Sounds epic to me. Sounds like, uh, sounds like Gladiator with vampires is what it sounds like. It's also interesting to note that this miniseries is going to sport a three ninety nine cover price. Yikes! Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of three ninety nine, <laughs> DC is making the shift to three ninety nine titles, and that will include... Some Wildstorm titles. Ow! Ah! Oh my god. My wallet just bit me. 
<laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not my fault. <laughs> it's not my fault. <laughs> yes, yes, all of our wallets are, sure, I'm sure, are hurting or hurting us. Now, I was going to say, DC's probably thinking the same thing. That's why they're bumping up to three ninety nine. <laughs> yeah, because one of the titles <clears throat> is going to be Welcome to Tranquility, the One Foot in the Grave miniseries. Which actually debuts in July at two ninety nine, but then they increase to three ninety nine with issue two. <laughs> so it's like they hook you in and then they just raise the price. <laughs> Cause they know that we love Gail Simone too much and we can't let her down. Mm-hmm. And uh other creator owned and licensed titles like the X Files, Thirty Days of Night, uh Fringe Tales from the Fringe, Free Realms, Gears of War, and the aforementioned Kane and Lynch already have the three ninety nine price. Thankfully, though, the Wildstorm U titles, Wildcats, The Authority, DV8, and Gen 13 are still $2.99 as of August. So, at the very least, we won't all have to start eating ramen noodles and eating cheap pizza so we could keep getting our comics. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that's how I had to get them when I was in college. <laughs> yeah. So, that's pretty much the news, huh? Yep. That's all we got. All right. Well, we're actually just uh, going to kick it off here. We have... DV8 Gods and Monsters number two of eight by Brian Wood and Rebecca Isaacs and the awesome cover as always by Fiona Staples. Joe actually mentioned in you know in the show notes for me and I'm gonna repeat this but I didn't even pick up on this but uh issue number one the the titles for the issues in the credits um, are named after songs and issue number one was the day I tried to live which is a Soundgarden song and uh this issue number two that we're reviewing right now is cursed female which is a porno for pyro song and i don't know how you picked up on that because i'm an idiot i did not <laughs> <laughs> well actually uh james over at the wallstorm resource wiki uh, did he put he, it in there yeah when he posted it so i can't take credit for that that was james <laughs> good all right thanks a lot james you rock uh issue number two if you didn't see the cover, which is an awesome cover, by the way, um, is all about bliss. So like we said, you know, when we reviewed issue number one, we were pretty sure that each of these eight issues are going to go through, you know, each character that makes up DV8. So issue number two is all about bliss and her crazy horde of death ladies that all have their (laughs) faces painted like skulls and look awesomely I don't know attractive for some reason to me I don't know why but whatever <laughs> do you like dangerous women yes <laughs> something like that I don't know so this issue actually jumps right into the conflict um, that we saw at the end of the last issue which was a uh, copycat and frostbite kind of running into bliss and her you know followers let's just say um there is a little backstory of how Bliss, you know, came to run into these this all-female tribe. And you, you get to see what this female tribe, how they, how they kind of worked and interacted before they met Bliss, their, their new god. You know, they, they sacrifice men from, you know, Frostbite and Copycat's tribe. They, there's, there's a lot of weird things, but Bliss immediately runs into one of their tribe and realizes that her powers don't work on at least one of them. I'm not sure. I, I guess she her powers work on the rest of them, but the one that she initially met, her powers didn't work on her. So she was kind of intrigued by that and 
you know, decided to follow her and uh, kind of, you know, became part of their tribe, which was interesting because they don't, they don't seem to really take people in too often. And she was female, so she, <laughs> I guess she was allowed in. Um, there is a really, really creepy birthing scene that lasts for a couple pages. And I can't say I've ever read nor seen a birthing scene in a comic book. And it kind of freaked me out. <laughs> but it, it was well done. It was cool. Just, they were uh, discussed it in Sparta last issue. So, uh, maybe uh, that's it's a true. Theme. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> See, but, they were uh, prepping us for this. It's subliminal. Yeah, that's true. And then, you know, right after that creepy birthing scene, hot <laughs> lesbian action scene. So <laughs> we're getting a lot of good stuff in this one. <laughs> good old Brian Wood. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the conflict starts. Frostbite, you know, uses his powers to kind of um, keep the conflict from, you know, hitting head on, really. He kind of deflected it. And, you know, her her tribe was, was going up to Frostbite's tribe for, you know, their, I, I don't know what the frequency is, but their sacrifice. I don't know if it's an annual sacrifice or whatever. But, you know, his tribe was actually totally okay with it. You know, they they were expecting it and and understood that this is just something that happens. And uh, he wasn't going to have that. So he kind of just stopped it and was like, no, you're not taking one of my tribe. Like, forget this. I don't care who you are. And then after that, you know, they they go to to seek out Powerhouse. Um, so that I, I'm guessing I forget. I didn't look at the cover, but I'm guessing, you know, he yeah. is the next cover. So. We will yeah, be seeing is. what what powerhouse is doing, you know, off in his crazy neck of the woods in this weird land. Um, what did you think of the issue, Joe? Uh, I thought it was I thought it was a really good second issue. Um, there was obviously more of a focus, like you said, on Bliss, so that didn't make it as broad as the first issue. Right. So, um, so we were just able to. Like I said, it just it, it was just nice to focus in on her. Um, I mean, obviously it could have been any character in the second issue, but uh, the fact that he picked Bliss, which to me is one of the more interesting characters, um, which you know we joked with Chris Parton over at Image Addiction when we did the Gen 13 retro review that <laughs> when Bliss was introduced in the original Gen 13 miniseries, she did nothing. You know, right, right. She was almost like a wasted character, and I told. Chris, I'm like, well, just wait. I know Brian Wood's gonna, not gonna treat her like that. You know, I know he's gonna gonna make her a good character because even in Warren Ellis's run, you know, he he started he started giving her a personality. You know, which um, you know, I actually got in discussion with some people at some of the boards that uh, some people thought the fact that she was showing compassion during that creepy birthing scene you're talking about, yeah, was in character i thought it was a little bit out but it i guess it uh, from, from all the discussions it basically boiled down to how far into the original dv8 series did you read you know because if you stopped at warren ellis like i did she was still pretty selfish but apparently if you read all the way to the end from what some of the people were telling me on the boards she does become more sympathetic which was interesting but the bottom line is uh brian was said that he's basing the characters here off of Warren Ellis's version of them, so I think that's why, you know, 
we get maybe a little bit of both, I guess. Because uh, I, I like Bliss when she's when she's selfish. You know? right. <laughs> I, just, I, I read through it the whole you know first series too, and I still felt it was a little bit out of character too. Yeah, even even though she did soften up a little bit at the end of that run, but even yeah. still, you know, it wasn't enough to. Yeah, and for me, it just makes sense, you know, based on what happened to her and her brother Threshold. You know, I, I, I mean, I'm not saying that she couldn't become sympathetic eventually, but it sure would take a lot. And based on her powers, I think her powers, you know, are really what, what mess with her, you know, and would really keep her from staying on the straight now, I guess, forever because her powers, they're just it's just so easy to to serve her and nobody else. You know, yeah. she's got a whole tribe of women following her, and they're literally fawning over her, and and that's mainly because of her power, not necessarily because of her, although I'm sure, you know, she's part of it. Yeah, she actually had to be persuaded to, you know, use her power for somebody else. Right? Yeah. Like, almost to the point that she didn't know how to do that, which I'm sure that she does know how to do that, but, you know, that's how it it, it read. Yeah, yeah. And um, one other thing that was interesting, too, was uh, the scene later between Frostbite, Copycat, uh, Copycat and Freestyle. Because mm-hmm. um, I know nothing about Freestyle. I, I I didn't read any issues with her. I never read any crossovers with her. Nothing, you know. It doesn't so, matter. Uh, even if you did, you still wouldn't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even according to Rebecca Isaac, she said she you know it was hard for her to find out information about the character. So for me... This might as well be a new character, just with the same name, which is fine because I I love her look um, and this little exchange she has, which is kind of showing that she's kind of brainy, kind of goofy. Mm-hmm. You know, that is definitely something that none of the others share. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, so that that was cool to see that she's she's in this mix and that's the part she plays. You know, so. That was very interesting to me. I'm, I'm already liking her as a character just based solely on that little bit of information he gave us. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you were saying about Powerhouse. Uh, he seems to be in the biggest bong party there is. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it. Really does look that way. I'm at, I'm really looking forward to issue number three just because he also. I mean, he had his issues in the first series, but. Even to me, he still doesn't seem like the most fleshed-out character in the world, so I'm, I'm looking forward to reading his story. Yeah, and didn't he die in the original run? Yeah, he, he did. Yeah. yeah. But the good thing is is that uh, for as much as a fiasco's world storm was, it, it did allow pretty much anybody and everybody to come back to life, so you can chalk this one up to that, too. <laughs> in the first series, I don't know how much of you read of it, but he was basically drunk the entire series. He was trying to drink his... You know, his sorrows away. So, um, mm-hmm. I, I I guess <laughs> there's a correlation between him just being you know high the whole time in this world and trying yeah. to forget that he's there. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. What did you rate it? Uh, I gave it a seven. It was a little bit slower, but I guess I should have expected that. I mean, that first issue was an overarching like. It, it was very fast-paced. Like he kind of had to move the story all around and you know catch everybody up. So this one felt a lot slower. Not that that is a bad thing, but uh, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the entire issue. And I mean, this whole series 
and you could pretty much chalk it up as awesome. So, and we're yeah. only two in. I mean, I, I can't imagine it ever going downhill from here. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I gave it an eight, um, which is just one point lower than what I gave issue one. And I kind of for the same reasons. Yeah, it was obviously slower, but um, it needed to be after issue one. You know, <laughs> you could. Yeah, just yeah, keep... it did. Um, so. And, you know, I mean, I know some big things are coming. Even Rebecca Isaacs, you know, during the interview mentioned that there's some crazy battles that she drew later. So, um, you know, I, I hope we get to see Bliss and her tribe in action. You know, I would just love to see that. I don't care who they fight. I just want to see them fight. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> so, anyway, good issue. You know, I know a lot of people around the net felt better about the series after the issue two. Mm-hmm. You know, so, <clears throat> Yeah. Definitely a good solid series so far. If you're not following it, go get it. Okay, moving on. We got uh, creator own title, Garrison number two, which is by Jeff Mariotti and Frances Francesco Francavia. And um, this is one that I was I was really happy with the second issue because the first issue came out and it was good. It had some potential. Just was missing a little something. You know, it's kind of like. Yeah, eating the food and you're just like there's a spice missing there's something you know and I, I felt that for issue one but it was issue one so I was willing to give it a pass and see what issue two was going to offer and um, issue two you know opens up with a good old fashioned bar fight so <laughs> yeah. right there right away uh, you know that, that uh, bumped it up in, in my book right away because uh, I'm always up for a good bar fight and uh, well, not me personally, but reading one. And, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't want to put that out there because I've had some off- I've had some offers to go grab a few drink- drinks after San Diego Comic Con, and I don't. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to throw that out there. No temptation. Anyway, <laughs> so <That's> great. Uh, <laughs> one thing that's cool about the issue that I just found out a couple days ago off of Wildstorm's blog, The Bleed. Um, that this opening scene where Garrison has an altercation with a couple of guys, apparently one, uh, page two, if you're looking at the comic, upper right-hand corner, is Jeff Marriott, the writer. He's the one with glasses and kind of goatee, uh, about to shoot, uh, shoot, at the, uh, shoot some pool. The guy who kind of talks smack to Garrison is uh, Shannon Eric Denton the editor so apparently Francesco put that in there just kind of like a little visual gag and uh, I would if I was uh, Mr. Denton I would ask why uh, why his character was the one that basically Garrison grabs by the crouch and throws over the bar yeah (laughs) I'd be calling Francesco you know Monday morning uh, do you have some issues with me that we need to discuss (laughs) I didn't realize yeah. that little Easter egg. That's cool. Yeah, it's page two and three. Yeah, yeah. I didn't either. I mean, like I said, they just posted that a couple of days ago. So, but uh, yeah. So get a good old fashioned bar fight mainly because apparently Mr. Denton was um, making fun of Garrison's hat, and so that's all it took. And everybody, everybody starts fighting and. So you think you're just gonna have a good old fashioned bar fight, and but no, Garrison grabs the bar and literally tears a chunk off of it. 
and whacks a guy with the bar. So, all of a sudden, Garrison's not just some crazy, you know, quote-unquote serial killer, as they dub him. He's got some sort of superpowers. Because, <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't care how much you work out, just pulling the piece of chunk of the bar out is, is no small feat. <laughs> so... And then, uh, to further add insult to injury to Mr. Denton, he Garrison grabs him and takes the beer tap, sticks it up his nose, and starts filling his nose with beer. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is when the comic started turning around for me. I'm like, okay, this is this is fun. You know, they're having fun. Like, it's not just a boring little fight scene. That you know, that they're they're putting some thought into this. Like I said, you know. I could tell they were having a lot of fun with this scene. They weren't just doing a boring action scene. They were uh, adding all kinds of details, like, you know, making it a, a nice little fight. It doesn't stop even when the cops show up. You know, Garrison, which for a while there, I looked like he was letting himself get captured. But nope, takes out a cop and runs away. And then uh, we cut to uh, Scully, I mean, um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Jillian. <laughs> She's Scully, people, come on. Doing, doing her research on Garrison so far this is the only part she's playing in the comic is just research which I guess is fine there's really you know she did have a traumatic experience in the first issue where <clears throat> Garrison claims that the agent he killed um, was going to kill her so now she's doing research to find out if that's true and she comes across a another agent uh, I'll see the name is it Sheila? No Clark Sullivan there you go, Clark, which is an interesting name for a female. Yep. And uh, goes to see Clark Sullivan, and basically Sullivan tells her... It's so funny. This 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 was one part that I'm like, oh, you always got to have the, the rival who's chasing the same person. You always, mm-hmm. you know... It's like, you know, back off. Garrison's mine. You know, and it's like, okay, so now we got two women chasing after him that are both agents. So... You know, that part was okay, but I'm like, oh, did, we, did we have to go there, you know? <laughs> but it's okay. It's not a big deal. Um, so we get a little bit about Garrison's past, which is interesting. seems like he has some flashbacks to, looks like, being some sort of agent himself. And uh, the scene from issue one, where he's walking away from basically an exploding, well, we assumed it was the whole town. I said, now entering, now entering Greenville, Green Greenfield. Um, somehow that's all tied to his origins, which for some reason he he's very fuzzy on too. And then uh, afterwards, he gets detected by a satellite, which was pretty cool. Cause apparently, everything else has a hard time detecting him, so they had to resort to satellites to find him. So we have a really cool, what it was almost like a Matrix-like scene: people, him jumping across the rooftops and trying to get away, and you get all these all these uh, cops trying to chase him down they're all in their black their black suits and night vision I mean it's just uh, this again was just more it was more action but it felt fluid it's like I didn't feel like this was forced you know we got a little bit of information and then you know he gets compromised and he's got to run and so so I think that's what I appreciated about the action in this and it's really cool I mean he just basically takes them all out you know single handedly and um, you know, at the very end, crashes out the window and lands in front of a group of uh, officers who all look like him. <laughs> so, 
a very, very interesting cliffhanger, to say the least. And uh, But I will say I am glad that they said that he noticed that they all look like him because it was kind of hard to tell exactly because he doesn't have a... Other than the tattoos, he doesn't have a really distinct face. So I was, I was glad that, that Mariotti uh, added in those uh, text boxes. So anyway, I like the issue. What did you think? Um... I, I don't know. I not, I'm still not sold on this just yet. I, I I don't know what it is. I just I guess I'll have to wait and see. Still, um, I did like the end. I you were you know talking about the night vision goggles and stuff, and you can't not think of Splinter Cell when you're reading those last couple pages. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's interesting to you know see if he is a clone or not. You know, with all those guys that all look like him. So, I, I I guess, you know, there's a there's a lot going on, you know, to look forward to. And I don't know. I, I should be excited to look forward to those. But for some reason, I'm just not just yet. I mean, it, it was a great issue. A lot of solid action. Much faster paced than the first one. Um, you know, we were discussing the first one, how it, it felt very much like a television show, you know, big opening explosion, and then it slows down and then a cliffhanger at the end. And this one was pretty much action packed throughout the whole thing. The center, um, slowdown was much shorter than the first issue. So it read a lot faster. It was a lot more fun, but you know, I, I still, I still need to be convinced, I guess. So. I'm looking forward to issue number three. I, I gave this one a six, though. It, it was it was a good read. Yeah. No, and I I stuck with seven, which is what I gave the first one, uh, just because I I, I I feel like he's going to go somewhere with this next issue. I mean, uh, he's I, I, it, it was a good cliffhanger, and I just um, I don't know I, I kind of held back a little bit just because I, I feel like something cool's coming. So yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens in the next issue. All right. Next, we have Wildcats number 23 by Adam Beechin and Tim Seeley, and the cover by Pete Woods, which is the other other half of the cover that was on the authority number 22. Um, in the last issue, you know, it was, the last issue was a big setup issue um, with Spartan now kind of as the weatherman, kind of pulling everybody in and, uh, kind of setting up teams for you know the different things that he needed to do um, to try to get the world back in shape so this issue um, we get to see his second hand man which is a grunge now all of a sudden and you know he has to kind of step out of his his comfort zone as a you know a, a skater and a slacker and and kind of take over some responsibility that he obviously can handle, but is a big shock to his system. And I may actually need to defer to you a little bit on these first couple pages, Joe, because I was a little confused. I didn't read a lot of the old Gen 13. I haven't caught up on it. And I don't know if this is the current team that he's kind of tripping out on or I was a little confused by that. Do you, do you know what um, was going on you know. Here? I meant to jump online and and see if uh, either Adam Beach and or Tim Tim Silly would ask or answer this, but what it is, 
obviously in the picture he's looking at the original team, you know. And what I didn't get either is exactly what you're saying. It's like, did they teleport in and just start talking to him? Or is he kind of, you know, just thinking about them? Or is this just kind of a reenactment of what happened before they left? Which that's kind of, I think ultimately that's what this is. Because what really makes it confusing is when they say, well, we'll see you, Eddie. You know, it's coming from, the word balloon's coming from the door. It looks like they just left. So, yeah, that was a little confusing, but I just kind of was, I just kind of let it, let it slide because I got what they were trying to do, you know, and, um, but yeah, I mean, that's the, the, the team he's talking to, obviously, is the ones that, is of, of Gen 13 right now. Right, right, yeah, because Ditto was there, and, yeah, so, wish I had a better answer, but. <laughs> no, no, I think, I think that was a good explanation, but. Yeah, even that we're not completely sure of. Uh, yeah, but but I think that's probably the most likely thing that that was. It confused the crap out of me, but I don't yeah, know. Uh, uh, same here. <laughs> but Grunge does have work to do. Uh, Spartan wants him to spy on John Lynch, who was, you know, basically the father figure of Gen Thirteen whenever they were first formed and got them out of IO's clutches. Yeah, in the very first miniseries. So John Lynch was very important to them, and he's kind of unsure about spying on him. And plus, he's a very difficult person to spy on. You know, as a <laughs> kind of the leader of Team 7, he's not somebody that would really you know, do well with that. So uh, Grunge actually tries to figure out a way um, that they can use... Um, what the heck do they call that? You talking about the doors? Yeah, the doors. You know, use the doors to, uh, I guess, do lots of tiny microscopic doors and move them around so that John can't keep track of them. Yeah, which I thought was a really cool idea. <laughs> exactly. It was pretty slick. And, and you can see between the Authority and the Wildcats, they keep putting in really cool bits of sci-fi and technology that we've never really read about in these books. So, yeah. it's, it's pretty let me, slick. Let me no, go ahead real quick, because this is an issue that came up with the boards, too. Some people were saying, you know, you're looking at this picture that, that Grunge is looking at. It shows the Gen 13 kids in their original costumes from the original run. And the kicker is they got their little creature, Keylock, with them, which is definitely only from the first run. So, people were like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Were the Gen 13 kids rebooted or not rebooted? You know, because there's this whole debate about well, what was rebooted in Wildstorm and what wasn't. You know, and obviously I've always said that they didn't, because. But we thankfully had Gail Simone come on the boards herself and cleared this up this week. So I'm going to read you her quote. This is concerning the, about Gen 13. She says, "This was a very weird deal. What happened was Wildstorm was going back and forth about whether the relaunches in 2006 she's talking about were all reboots or not." They decided that they were reboots, so I wrote the first issues that way. Then it turned out that they decided not to reboot, but to stick with current continuity. Only problem is, they forgot to tell everyone. <laughs> so when the book started coming out, mine, which is Gail Simone's, was a reboot, and the rest weren't. She says, I think it worked out okay. It's not, it's not Gen 13 without the original group, and using them would have been really hard due to all the previous continuity changes. 
when she says I think it worked out we that still kind of caused a little bit of discussion because basically you know she wrote it to where these are the original kids they basically just have new bodies you know so this kind of further clears that up and lets you know that yeah this is the old group they do remember obviously like you said they remember that John Lynch was their mentor and um, and he remembers too that that he was there too. I don't know if you remember there was a Wildcats issue during Crystal's Gage's run when Tao's messing with everybody's mind. He says, you know, that, that Lynch remembers the son that he failed or never had or whatever. Oh, right. to burn out. So anyway, just a little bit of tidbit there because th that was something that was discussed and, you know, people who are going to read this issue will have the same question. So yeah. anyway, go ahead, Ben. Sorry. No, that's okay. That's okay. It's Those first three pages were really important, which is to Gen 13 lore in a Wildcats book. So a lot of Gen 13 discussion in this book. Um, so anyways, Grunge hooks up with Link to try to figure out that, you know, how to spy on John Lynch with the Doors technology, which they haven't exactly completed getting ready yet because they're still trying to get the Door technology up and running in the Skywatch um, and then we flip over to Voodoo and the old weird doctor, I guess that is. That's yeah, so kind of like a, yeah, that's a skull, skull dude. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> they are in Skywatch and they are kind of aiding Battalion and uh, Lady Tron who are on Earth in the trenches looking for the doctor. And there's some crazy action scenes. Um, and they actually um, are looking for the boy that we saw in Dream War, I believe. Yeah, I know. I couldn't believe that. I was like, oh, my God, they actually made Dream War relevant. I was like, <laughs> wow. I'm like, if nothing else, this team, this creative team needs to get credit for that. Because, yeah. you know, yeah, they deserve all the credit for that. So, yeah, it's relevant to Wildstorm, but I'm sure DC will never, ever make it relevant <laughs> at all so yeah. they thought that he would might be the the new doctor which he is not um but battalion takes him anyway for good measure just because he's a little bastard and always <laughs> dreaming up things to piss them off so and he will never take crap so and then moving on we go to nemesis and she is taking care of business with Majest Majestros. <laughs> I, that's the best I can say. Um, you'll just have to read it for yourself. Uh, <laughs> she's still taking care of him, and yeah, I, yeah. I don't have much else to say about that. <laughs> I, I think I think she sums it up best when she tells him, "You're just as attractive to me without your powers, your voice, or your ability to move." <laughs> yeah. So. It, she kind of creeped me out. I never saw that side of her, so... Yeah. Ugh. She's going crazy. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and then we flip back to Skywatch again. It, it, this issue really goes through all these little snippets of what the main characters have been doing. So we go back and we see Warblade's recovery. And he really, really got messed up in the the big war with the, the Red Blade. 
So to see him actually almost walking was really impressive. Um, and he seems to be developing a relationship with, you know, one of the the staff, I guess, the one of the health staff that's helping him recover. I don't even know if they said her name. Yeah, it's uh, Luisa, because he literally asked her, how's Luisa something or other doing? Where is it? There it is. How's Luisa Biondi? <laughs> Interesting name. Ask her how she's doing. And then we move over to Apollo. And he is working with Link to fix all kinds of space stuff. And, you know, there's a discussion with Midnighter. And I guess it would be before he left or did he teleport in? I... This also confused me. What do you mean? He hadn't gone anywhere yet by this point in the issue. Oh, yeah. I, for some reason, I thought he was on the carrier for some dumb reason. I don't know why. It's all that partying you did? Yeah, too much drinking. <laughs> <laughs> don't drink in podcast. That's our public service announcement for today. <laughs> <laughs> Right, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually... There's a discussion with Apollo and Midnighter, and I'm actually going to skip to the end because Midnighter goes back, and it seems like he's going back to that island that was Gaia, that was you know part of the, uh, the Authority run. About five issues back, I guess. Um, but before that ending, we get to see Zealot again. And she, like Nemesis is also crazy she, she's training human females to be the next Kota warriors and she keeps bitching them out saying that you know you need to be better you need to be Kota and they're all like we're not Kota warriors we are like we're humans you're kicking our ass give us a break and uh Jeremy is totally creeped out by you know what Zealot is doing to these women and how they're trying to, I guess, speed up breeding of warriors. And uh, he, he tries to tell her that he thinks that this is a bad idea, and she just snaps on him and basically could have cut his head off right there, but didn't. Um, I'm not sure how much longer he's going to put up with this before he just snaps and either leaves or, you know, destroys the whole lab. But, uh,. Yeah, I, I don't know. It to me, it's it's kind of like Zealot was, you know, is kind of freaking out, like Majestus did or Majestic did, you know, whenever he was being controlled by Tal in his little uh, paradise island. Yeah, at, uh, you know, during Gage's run on Wildcats. And you were saying that that this is the island from the Authority run. Because it says formerly Zanzibar. Is that where the doctor uh, had his little kingdom? Um, are, we, are we talking about... Oh, yeah, you're talking about Zealot. No, I... No. I was talking about Midnighter, and you see... You know, you see him peeking through the... Uh, I guess maybe that is it. Yeah, see, I was thinking he was going to go after... You know, looking for the doctor, too. And he was on the island that was Gaia. 
but you're right. No, you're right. This is on Zanzibar. So he's definitely going after Zealot. Man, yeah. I, did, I did not catch up on a lot of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Somebody needs to read through a couple more times before doing a review. That would be me. <laughs> Oh, it's fine, dude. I just, I was, I was flipping through. I'm like, where did you see the island? I, just I don't know. I'm I... smoking crack. You're right. <laughs> so, I would have to say, in the next issue, we are going to get a conflict with Zealot in Midnighter. Oh yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> what did you think of the issue, Joe? Because I obviously can't read. <laughs> No, dude, that's fine. I'm just making sure I didn't miss something. No, 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 no. I'll let somebody talk that has a clue. So, and I'll just shut up now. Uh, no, just just a few little things. I mean, obviously, I thought it was a great issue. I thought um, it was more balanced than than the previous one, only because the previous one was solely talking, which was fine after the you know first three all explosion issues, you know. <laughs> Um, this one was more, this was solid. I mean, I'll just go ahead and tell you right now, I gave it a nine just because I really appreciate the fact that this team, this creative team is just giving us solid issues every month, you know, and it's like, I can't ask for anything else from this creative team right now. I mean, they're just delivering and it's like, it's great. I mean, it's just, it's nice to have a comic that I just look forward to getting because I know it's going to be a solid issue. You know, I don't even really have to know the details yet. I just know they're going to deliver. So that's what's really nice about Wildcats right now. And um, just and they're having so much fun with it, too. I mean, just some of the little things that I'm going to touch on are like, for example, in the Battalion and Lady Tron scene, there's so many little, um, you know, jabs that they take at a certain other Marvel, uh, I'll just say it, they take it at some Marvel, you know, uh, lots of jabs that they take at Marvel here, you know, and he he does it in such a way where you know Marvel can't say anything because they don't look like any of their characters, but there's certain little touches here and there that it's like I know who they're talking about, you know. <laughs> so I mean that's great. I, I I love when they poke fun at each other, you know. I mean it's all you know, this comics people come on, you know, have some fun with each other, you know, have a sense of humor which they do, and. um yeah, like you said, with with the whole chim- going after Chimera, you know, uh, Winter was concerned about Battalion because of the way he's been controlled before, and then he basically zaps Chimera, which I think puts him into a permanent co- coma, isn't that what he does? Uh, um, yeah, they didn't really explain it too much, but he basically said that he will never be able to, you know, make those monsters and stuff anymore, I guess. Yeah. So basically, gave him a, a like a mini lobotomy or something, you know. Yeah, which, yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. So that that was pretty crazy, and um, yeah, I mean, the the whole thing with Nemesis, I am curious to see what the deal is there because she is so far in any of the stories, she's been in a lot of stories. I've never seen her portrayed as just kind of crazy, you know, and that might be part of what she said. She, she might be just tired of everything. She basically just wants to be with Majestic and. Since care, uh, caring people can't have a lot of babies, you know, it takes them, you know, years, centuries sometimes to conceive. She basically tells them, well, we're going to keep trying. That's all we're going to do. Yeah, but <laughs> it's know? really creepy because he's in a coma and it's not like he's uh, part of this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's very one-sided. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what her deal is all of a sudden to want to 
have a baby with him, but that's her thing. And yeah, um, the thing you you were saying, what uh, Apollo's helping Link build is a particle magnet, which is going to help clear up the atmosphere and actually allow Apollo to be in the atmosphere for longer. So that that should be interesting. Because that's been one of his setbacks, is he can't be in the atmosphere for very long without being depowered. So, so that's that's a good setup. I'm curious to see where that's going to go. And yeah, obviously the thing with Zalot, I don't know why she's gone crazy either. You know, I don't know what's you know what's going on with the Karen women in this issue, because <laughs> both her and Nemesis, like you said. But you know, a lot of people on the board said they were surprised that Maul went with her because he went willingly. You know, so for him to be freaked out at what she's doing well you know you kind of asked for it dude you you know she she already showed that she didn't want any part of what spartan was doing and it, it was i don't know it's, it's interesting I, I i don't know if they're going to touch on what his motivations for going were but obviously he's regretting them already yeah yeah exactly we already get one issue in and he's like oops i probably yeah. shouldn't have been with this nut nut job yeah. what did you rate it uh i gave it an eight i was a I really like the format. I like that they broke up all the little, you know, mini quests really is what's going on. You know, everybody has their their task and we get to see it all. It's not like an episode of Lost where we only see one, you know, one group or one little mini team doing their thing. We get to see everybody. And, you know, maybe some people won't like that because it's it's very brief, but you know, to me, it, it read well, and it was it was enough to keep you interested and want that next episode, that next issue, to see you know what everybody's going to do with it. So it was kind of this this was a second issue, but in an arc. But actually, it was the first one. But it felt like a, a setup for you know six stories. So yeah, so. But yeah, definitely good. Uh, you know, definitely one of the more solid series that's out there right now. Just period. I mean, it's a really solid comic. And we're just going to wrap up by mentioning some of the other Wildstorm releases that have come out. Um, we had another mini series finish up. Dante's Inferno number six of six came out. Uh, Free Realms number nine of twelve also came out. For those of you who have been following Ex Machina, it's nearing the end of that series. Number 49 just came out. Number 50 will be out this summer, and that'll be the end of that series. Um, Supernatural Beginnings In, number 5 of 6, came out. The Authority, number 1, Special Edition, which is part of DC's What's Next series for a dollar, is out on the stands. A lot of people looking for a way to get into the Authority. There's lots of different places, but this is the beginning. If you don't want to put up the money for the trade, then you can um, you can just go get this issue for a dollar, and if you're not hooked, I don't know what else to tell you because that first issue I still remember it. It was great, so go check it out. It's just a dollar, and um, and we also had God of War number two hundred six, which if you remember, issue one sold out, so I'm sure issue two is going to go up pretty quick too. Everybody's going to wonder why did issue one sell out? And they're probably going to check it out. Resident Evil number 5 of 6, which is one of those that has taken a long time to finish, but it's almost done, folks. So if you've been there pressing and just waiting patiently for each issue, remember, they have not solicited them until they've been done. So <laughs> it's out there now, and it's almost done. So 
Uh, yeah. So check out our sponsor at InStock Trades. Um, the trades that came out this week were, or actually for the last three weeks, were Ex Machina Volume 9, uh, Ring Out the Old, and Ex Machina the Deluxe Edition hardcover, and that's book three, and I just got that for my birthday, so woohoo! Cool. Uh, <laughs> only two more of those to go for the Deluxe Editions. Um, Free Realms Book 1 released. Uh, World of Warcraft Ashbringer came out. And Robotech Prelude to the Shadow Chronicles released. So a lot of trades came out in the last three weeks. And so go pick those up at InStock Trades. And also check out our other sponsor, which is Discount Comic Book Service. And you can reach them at dcbservice.com or click on the banner at our homepage. That would help us out a lot. Yeah. And basically each of those trades is going to be up to 30% off uh, at in stock. And remember, there's no no shipping on overs or over $50, and you'll definitely hit that if you get all these trades that we mentioned. <laughs> so anyway, uh, thanks again for listening, folks, and uh, we'll see you in another couple of weeks. See you. This is a radio podcast. We only listen to each other. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Can we do that in? No, no, it's fine.